Chapter 10 of Blackthorn Farm by Arthur Applin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 10 In Suspense. It was Saturday. A week had passed since Rupert's arrest, since he had left the little rooms at Westminster and been driven to the police court. It all seemed to him like a vivid dream in which he played a passive but unwilling part he had seen no one but the prison chaplain since that dreadful day at the westminster police court the long wait in a bare cell the sudden hurrying through dark passages the court with the hum of conversation suddenly stifled and then he found himself standing in the dock and felt rather than saw that every eye was fixed on him he had pleaded not guilty in a voice he scarcely recognized as his own shame covered him as with a cold mist he was committed for trial but bail was offered him two sureties of five hundred pounds each he had shaken his head as he gulped down the lump in his throat that prevented him from speaking who would stand bail for him he began to realize that he had not a friend many acquaintances many pals yes but not one friend a tear dropped on the open book on his knees barnaby rudge that the chaplain had brought him he had just finished chapter sixty two and the tale of rudge's prison had strangely softened his troubles but the uppermost thought in his mind was the woman he loved ruby again he felt that icy grip at his heart how often had he reasoned it all out and fought against the suspicion that at last had become a certainty why had she not been to see him why had she sent no word not even a message what a coward he had been the pistol that he held to his own breast had really been pointed at her heart she had committed this great crime to save him from a greater a crime of murder for in taking his own life did he not end hers too and now it was up to him to play the man and pay the price of his own sins he began to pace the narrow cell the key turned in the lock the cell door opened and a warder curtly ordered rupert to follow him a second warder walked behind and after descending a flight of stairs he stopped before a door which he had opened and motioned rupert to enter and at once closed the door from outside rupert found himself in a small bare room in the centre of which a table covered with a green ink-stained cloth and half a dozen wooden chairs were the only furniture seated at the table was an elderly man with a closely trimmed beard while standing with his back to the fireplace was a younger man whose clean-shaven face and clear-cut features at once arrested rupert's attention the man at the table rose and bowed mr dale i believe this is mr marshall who has undertaken your defence please be seated rupert obeyed automatically he was too surprised to speak and the man obviously a lawyer continued i must explain to you that i represent messrs redway wales and redway sir richard crichton's solicitors who have been instructed by him to arrange for your defence 
mr marshall has kindly accepted the brief and will defend you now mr dale i want you to tell us all you know about this unfortunate occurrence you must understand that whatever you tell us will be treated as strictly confidential and it is absolutely necessary that you are perfectly frank with us mr marshall will tell you that to conceal anything from us will greatly prejudice your case in fact it might ruin your defence mr marshall murmured quite so quite so and began to examine the toes of his boots i have nothing to conceal said rupert i intend to plead guilty i have no desire to be defended i am quite prepared to pay the penalty of my folly mr marshall coughed that's frank that's very frank mr redway exclaimed but my dear young sir you must allow us to judge the way you should plead now i have here a statement of the case as far as we've been able to obtain it from the proceedings in the police court and the statements made by the witnesses for the prosecution what we now require are the exact circumstances under which you um, altered the amount on the check and exactly how you proceeded to cash it will you kindly tell us in the first place what caused you to be in want of this large sum i was in debt i had been betting and living beyond my means just so said mr redway and so you altered the check under the pressure of debt to avoid ruin in fact rupert nodded will you kindly tell us to whom you gave the check in the first instance with a view of getting it cashed what's the use of all this i have admitted the crime and i do not wish to make any further statement rupert spoke with sudden irritation now look here mr dale excuse me mr edway mr marshall interrupted i have done an unusual thing in coming here to-day and i have done it entirely in your interests to enable me to get a personal insight into this case which possibly i could not get from my brief alone the least you can do in return is to answer the questions asked you and give us as much information as you are able you must understand that unless i am fully acquainted with the details of your action in this matter it will be impossible for me to meet and reply to the evidence which the prosecution will bring against you rupert bit his lip and after a few moments silence he looked straight into the barrister's eyes i am extremely sorry to put difficulties in your way and i fully appreciate sir reginald's kindness in arranging for my defence believe me i am very grateful to him and to you both but there are circumstances which render it impossible for me to give you any information regarding the check or its subsequent disposal i hope you will not press me further in the matter redway who was fidgeting with the papers looked at mr marshall with raised eyebrows and the barrister nodded to him as though he understood redway cleared his throat we quite understand mr dale and your scruples do you honour but you must remember that in trying to shield your accomplice by refusing to confide in us you are not only spoiling your own case but very possibly endangering your friend come now be reasonable we must know who gave the check or rather the note containing the check to the messenger boy rupert looked up and the surprise he felt must have been clearly reflected on his face for mr redway exclaimed you don't mean to say that it was you who gave the note to the messenger there was a long silence before the lawyer spoke again will you then give us miss strode's present address this is really most important as she has completely disappeared and left no trace although the police have been searching for her for the past week 
rupert's heart gave a great bound then she was still safe i can answer that question at least i don't know where she is and have heard nothing of her since i was arrested then after a moment's hesitation i suppose she is utterly disgusted with my crime and wishes to avoid having her name in any way connected with mine redway rose and touched the bell on the table i am sorry you can give us so little help i shall see you again before the trial when i hope you will see your way to place a little more confidence in us otherwise i fear your defence will suffer gravely the door opened and the warder escorted rupert back to his cell as he reached it he handed him a letter the door slammed and the retreating steps of the warder echoed down the stone-flagged passage rupert glanced at the envelope in his hand and started as he recognized his father's writing he sat on the wooden bunk and slowly opened it the envelope fell to the floor and lay there he noticed that the postmark was london not princeton for a moment dartmoor and the great convict prisons rose before his eyes and he shuddered at the bare possibility of his being sent there he began to read the letter my dear boy i hardly know how to write these few lines i have had a great struggle and from my heart tried to believe you innocent for how could my son commit this horrible crime sir reginald has been more than kind he asked me plainly if i believed you did this thing and i looked him in the face and said no it is impossible he is a true gentleman he shook my hand and said neither do i and what's more i'll see he has a fair trial he has written to his lawyers and they are to help you and he has brought me up to london and i hope to see you to-morrow for god's sake my dear boy clear yourself and our good name for my sake and your sisters help the lawyers to find the man who has put this awful burden upon us find him rupert and hunt him down for unless you do my heart is broken and i fear ruin faces us all three god help you clear our name your affectionate father john dale the letter fluttered to the floor beside the envelope and rupert threw himself on the hard bunk and sobbed aloud try as he would great sobs shook his frame all his resolutions were shattered by this appeal how could he destroy his father ruin his sister and bring desolation and unending shame to his home what was he to do a word to mr redway and his innocence would be quickly proved nay he need only give a hint and the lawyers would do the rest he need not mention ruby's name blood was thicker than water after all if it had only been himself to sacrifice he would have been too ready to do so for ruby's sake but had he any right to sacrifice his father and sister as well the more he thought of it the more convinced he became that he must save them at all costs his eye fell upon the ink-pot on the wooden shelf as a prisoner awaiting trial he was allowed to send and receive letters he found a sheet of paper and wrote to the lawyer End of chapter ten